0: and create the advising practice that you've dreamed of you'll be joined by your hosts brian sweet who has more than half a billion dollars in assets under management Brittany anderson the driving force for advisors looking to hire improve their operations and company culture and dre redfern who can help you systematize and automate your practices marketing to effortlessly attract new clients so What do you say? Let's jump into another amazing episode of The Ultimate Advisor Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to your ultimate advisor podcast. This is Brittany Anderson. And with me today, I have an extra special guest, Mr. Steve Sandusky with over 30 years of business experience, growing companies by multiples, including one whose revenue grew 17 fold during his leadership. Steve is the founder and CEO of ROL advisor, an international software and training company for financial advisors with more than 250 advisory firm clients in 11 countries. Steve is a New York Times best-selling author, launcher of a multi-billion dollar AUM RIA, and over 25 years in the business. You might want to pay attention to what he has to say. Steve, welcome. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, Brittany. Yeah, it's great to be on the show. I appreciate the nice intro there as well. So looking forward to our conversation.
1: Awesome. Well, I know I gave a little highlight, but I would love for you to actually talk a little bit about your journey and you know your experience over the years.
0: Sure. Well, you may have heard of a book called Zero to One. It was written by Peter Thiel. And the gist of this book is that if you create something new, that's basically going from zero to one. But then if you take something that already exists and you improve upon it or you grow it, then that's going from what he says, one to n, or I like to call it one to infinity. And so as I think about my journey, about my career, I think of myself as more of this zero to one guy where I'm someone who likes to create things. So I'm someone who's always reading, I'm always learning, I'm always trying to look around the corner and connect the dots and see what's coming. And so if I look back on my career over the last three decades, going back to the early 1990s, I was with a broker-dealer, and me and a couple other folks, we helped launch the company's corporate RIA. And over the course of about six and a half years in the 90s, we grew that from zero to just under $2 billion in assets under management. And then in the 2000s, I partnered with Ron Carson, who I'm sure many of the folks listening to this Are familiar with, and he and I launched a coaching program, and we grew that from zero to about one thousand financial advisors that we were coaching over the course of eleven years. And then in the past few years, I I partnered with another gentleman, and we created this company called Rol Advisor, which hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to chat about here as well. And and we've built that from zero to about two hundred and fifty clients in eleven countries. So, and I've written a couple of books along the way. I also host and produce several podcasts. So yeah, so I'm all about learning. I'm all about the journey. I'm all about creating things and then turning around and and sharing what it is that I've learned over the years.
1: Mm, Steve, you know, the the thing that I kept thinking about as you were sharing that journey is just the lifetime growth and the lifetime learning. And, you know, if you've been following us, listening to this podcast for, you know, any length of time, our audience members know that that is a huge value for ultimate advisor, but just us as individuals. So I can appreciate that in you. And, and I think, you know, what's so amazing is you're truly the entrepreneurial spirit, like you were put on this to add value to people to add value to others so i I know one way that you add value is is you've got a a term that's called being a life-centered planner so i would really love for you to share with the audience what that's about what that entails and just the details on that process
0: yeah life-centered planning is a concept and a phrase that my business partner mitch anthony developed over the years and mitch is one of the early folks in the whole idea of life planning, financial life planning. There's a variety of different names around it. So Mitch and I partnered a few years ago and created this company, ROL Advisor. And the idea behind it is that we think where the industry is shifting is that we should be putting the client's life at the center of the conversation, not the performance of their money. And so we're just all about helping financial advisors really put a focus on the discovery process. And when we say discovery, we're talking about a life of the relationship process. This is not a one and done kind of thing. And so we think your ability as an advisor to continue to learn more and more and more about who your clients are and what's important to them, that's going to be a key skill going forward. Not that it never was a key skill, but it's going to be even more important in this age of technology and so just very briefly what we've developed is what we call the client's storyboard and the idea there is that we really want to understand the client's journey through life and how you as a financial advisor can help them in that and so we we think of this as a the frame that we look at is we want to know where you've been and that's about your past experiences And we basically have a question that we ask is we want to understand how did you arrive at your perspectives on money? And so we created a digital tool called the Fiscalosophy Profile that helps us answer that. And then we want to know, okay, well, where are you today? What's your present situation? And the question we want to answer is, how can I get the best life possible with the money I have? And we have a tool called the ROL Index that helps answer that. And then the third frame is, well, where are you going? what's the future going to be looking like? And the question we want to answer there is, am I financially prepared for life's big transitions? And we have a tool called the Financial Lifeline. So over those three tools and through the dialogues and conversations that you have with your clients over the life of that relationship, you can really understand who the client is, what's important to them, help them clarify what's important to them and how that evolves over time. And then you can help them figure out how to make smarter decisions with their money and how to use their money to live their best life possible. Mm, You
1: know, I think that is so genius and, and Steve and going through some of the ROL tools myself and, and, and looking at, you know, all the content and material that you've put out into the world, you know, one thing that I, I think is interesting is, you know, we've heard before from advisors that, well, I, I'm not necessarily that, that warm, fuzzy, touchy feely person. It's hard for me to strike up that conversation or on the flip side. We've also heard the comment that, you know, my clients, I've noticed they have a hard time opening up in that capacity. So I think what you've done and what you've really mastered is you're putting tangible tools to help people get to that point. I mean, don't you think, is that a fair statement? It
0: is. And I think that at our core as human beings, we want to be able to connect with other people. And so I think one of the key roles of a financial advisor, it's moving beyond just the numbers and it's into the relationship. Now we've heard for many, many years, it's like, we're in a relationship business. Well, absolutely. But I think we have to get even better at developing those relationships. We have to get better at our emotional intelligence and having those conversations and dialogues. Because I believe almost every client, when they're working with a financial advisor, they want to have a good relationship they want to have a trusting relationship. They want to have deep dialogues with someone because money is such a personal thing to all of us. And we need to know that we can talk to someone who can understand our fears around money, our biases around money, our shame around money. I mean, there's all kinds of hangups that we, we have around money. And so I think if you're a financial advisor and you're saying to yourself, I'm not good at having these conversations, or I don't really like to have these conversations, then I would encourage you to look for another business that you can go into because I think this is the kind of skill that the best financial advisors are going to have and going to improve because the business of the numbers of being a financial advisor, it's all being automated. And so you don't want to be like a computer operator where you're just turning the dials of a person's financial plan. There's not a lot of value in that the real value is in the one to one human relationship that you can engage in with another person
1: mm, I, you know i think that's so true and you know one thing that that we teach our advisors and you know just our general audience members even just through this podcast is along the topic of differentiation and, you know, how important it is to go deep, just like you're talking about here in really uncovering, you know, why, why do people save the way they do, or why have they spent their years leading up to this point to decide, you know, what is it that we're going to do with our money and how are we going to live that fulfilled life? So I know you use the term, actually, I've, I've seen this in some of your copy and your content, the retirement coach. So can you elaborate a little bit more on this and how that might actually shift the mindset of the advisor if they identify as a retirement coach versus just a financial advisor or a wealth planner?
0: Well, we we use the word retirement because there's really not a better word out there. But I think the reality is baby boomers, and I'm one of them, I'm a young baby boomer, but I think baby boomers are really going to be the last generation that retires in the traditional sense of the word, because what's happening is we've got two major trends that are happening at the same time right now. One of them is, of course, technology. We've got this accelerating pace of technological change. And then a second one is longevity. Partially, it's because of technology. Partially, it's because of better medicines and those sorts of things that that generally speaking, we're living longer. But what we're finding is the pace of technology is so fast that as humans, we don't really have the social construct that is enabling us to understand how our world is changing because of technology. And so one of the big opportunities for advisors is to help clients make sense of all the stuff that's happening in our world as a result of technology and as a result of living longer. And it really plays into the second idea too, which is we're moving away from a traditional three-stage life to a multi-stage life. And what I mean by that is the three-stage life is simply, I spend the first 18 to 22 years of my life in school learning, and then I spend another 30 or 40 years in a career making money, And then I spend 20, 30, or 40 years in a retirement phase. That's the traditional three-stage life model. Well, now, because of longevity of living longer, we're moving to a multi-stage life where we're going to be zigging in and out of education. We're going to be zigging in and out of work and leisure, taking sabbaticals. We're going to have career jobs. Then we're going to take gig jobs. Then we're going to have encore careers. And this idea of retirement, I think, is just going to go away. I mean, we're going to take times as we're in our 30s and 40s and 50s, we might take six months off, we might take a year off just to be with the family or to travel the world on a sailboat, whatever the case is. And so I think how we think about retirement is going to be totally different with the next generation. And so as a financial advisor, I think it's important to really understand how the world is changing, how technology is accelerating and the impact of longevity that that's going to have on all of that. And I, again, I think it puts us in a position to be this life planner because we can help people make sense of all these changes and help them prepare financially for it and help them have the money that they need to go back to school when they're in their 40s, let's say, or have the money that they want to be able to take six months off or a year off when the kids are young and spend a lot of time with them. So those are all changes that I think really play into the hands of what a great financial advisor can help with.
1: You know, and I think we're at a time where we have so many opportunities to serve as advisors. You know, I think about all the things you just mentioned with longevity and, you know, new education and people just choosing to live in a different way and times evolving. I mean, I I just look at it and see as a financial advisor, we, it's almost our duty to help people through these different transitions and, and to really help people to realize that you don't have to just have that end date of retirement where, you know, all of a sudden you worked and then the next day you don't you know there tends to be and steve i'm sure you've seen this that there used to be more so than than maybe now kind of that identity crisis when people would go into that retirement stage where I, you know all my life i've identified with this and now i'm going into this new chapter whereas what you're saying is there isn't necessarily going to be that definitive stop so i think that we have you know such an opportunity to bring value you know i think about something we've done You know, for our advisors and even at Sweet Financial, you know, a lot of the questions that people ask, they're aware of longevity and they talk about health right? We hear clients talking about, you know, ways that, that they can improve their health, their mental state, their, their mindset, all of those good things. And we actually see that as an opportunity to add even more value. That's not just numbers aligned because like you said, the number portion is becoming a commodity or it is a commodity at this point. So I just think you brought up some, some really great points in in what you were saying and, and how the world is changing.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And just the idea of health, it's not that we're going to turn financial advisors into doctors or healthcare professionals. Right. But, but yeah, absolutely. We should be in a position where we can not tell people what to do on the health side, but we can raise the issues. We can shine a light on areas that they might not be thinking about. And then we can redirect or we can refer them to other professionals. But I think as part of a holistic, life planning relationship that a financial advisor can engage in, I think those are the kinds of things that need to be in our purview. And we need to know enough about it that we can quarterback it. And we can help guide clients. And then ultimately, they they decide and they they do the work, but we're in a position where we can see things that they may not be able to see and help them move forward in a very positive way.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there's one phrase that we say a lot is that, you know, financial advisors in particular, we we have to fall out of the trap of falling in love with our own ideas and our own message. And really pay more attention to what our clients want, what our prospects want. And they're they're screaming for that information. So I think just like you said, we don't necessarily have to be health experts by any means, but we should have the resource to be able to point them in the right direction. So again, it's just a testament to the trajectory change that we're seeing in our industry. So, Steve, to to shift gears, and, and I know you touched on this a bit, but I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your P3D approach, both the framework and how this impacts advisors who embrace it. Let's go a little deeper there.
0: Okay. Well, P3D, what that stands for is the P3, as in philosophy, people, and plan, which are three key components of building a successful advisory practice. And then the D is discipline. And so my idea is that if you have a philosophy about how you do what you do, if you have the right people in place and you have a plan that you're executing and following through on, and you multiply that by having the discipline to do the work, then that to me is a recipe for superior results. And so just very briefly, when I think of philosophy, this is really the belief system that makes your firm unique. And so it's really a combination of your thoughts and your values and your instincts and purpose and experiences that ultimately shape how you live your daily life. And it really underpins and drives your what, and your when and your why, and how you do what it is that you do. So I've got an exercise, there's really four parts to it. I'm happy to, to quickly go through those four parts if you want, but I think it really starts with what's my philosophy? What do I believe? And once you have that philosophy and you're clear on it, then that really shapes how you're going to build the business.
1: You know, Steve, I would love for you to actually talk through those four parts. I think that's, I think number one, it's really interesting. And I think our audience would be set to benefit.
0: Yeah. So the first part of this philosophy exercise is what I call your truth. And what I'm truly, really trying to get at here is what is it that you really believe? Because it's your belief system that's going to shape the business that you build. It's going to shape the people that you hire. It's going to shape the culture that you develop. It's going to shape the kinds of clients that you want to work with. And so the way that I get at that is I have a question that I ask my advisor clients to answer. And the question is, what I know to be true is, and then you go through and you answer that. And then you say, because, and then you say, well, why is it that I believe this to be true. And then I ask you to do it 15 times. And so I'm really trying to get at what do you believe and you believe that because of what? So again, it just helps you really clarify what is it that I strongly believe in. So that's really the first part. The second part is your values and probably don't need to spend much time on this. It's just essentially a values clarification exercise to really help you zero in on your most important values. The third is what I call your non-negotiables. And these are things that you absolutely will not allow people to break. These are non-negotiables when you're working with people and how you're running your business and how you're conducting yourselves and how you want the people around you to conduct themselves. And so it's really understanding what are your standards? What are my expectations? Those are my non-negotiables. And then the fourth is what I call your rallying cry. And this is simply a, I'll call it a motivational or an aspirational or a metaphorical statement that very, in, in a very few words, encapsulates what really energizes you. And in my case, my rallying cry is just two words, run uphill. And the way that I developed that was back in high school. Well, high school and college, I was a long distance runner. Well, in high school, my first year of running cross country, I noticed pretty quickly that when that most people don't like running uphill. And then the second thing was, if you pass somebody running uphill, they don't pass you back later in the race. And so as I was reflecting on my rallying cry years later, I realized that uh, and even back in in high school and college, that became my trademark was I decided I'm going to pass people running uphill because they get totally demoralized when you do that. And so years later, as I was reflecting back on, well, what's my rallying cry? This idea of run uphill really stuck with me. And the thinking for me is if I'm willing to do the things that other people won't, then I'll be able to achieve things that other people can't. And so that's my rallying cry. And I encourage everyone listening to this to come up with one that makes sense for you as well.
1: So Steve, that's so inspiring. I I love run uphill. That is absolutely brilliant. And I love that that's your rally cry. You know, and I think as you were speaking there, it made me think that advisors, while it's important for you to understand your purpose and or understand your client's purpose, their value system, and all that makes them make decisions, essentially, but it's also so important for you as the advisor to peel back the layers and to let your clients into your life too. So Steve, as you were talking about, you know, sharing your rally cry and going through those four components that you just shared, I think it's so important for an advisor to be able to articulate their own value system. You know, what matters to them? What's their story? It helps you to be so much more relatable. Actually, in one of our recent mastermind sessions, we we did a deep dive talking about, and then it was all tied back to writing a book. You know, I think every financial advisor out there that has a clientele, a client base should write a book and share their story. And the reason for that is because I think it opens up this level of vulnerability that allows people to to connect with you on a deeper level. So can you just talk maybe a little bit about vulnerability in itself, Steve, and how that really helps you differentiate as an advisor? Yeah. Well,
0: This idea of being vulnerable is something that I would say in the past five to 10 years has really gained a lot of prominence. And the fact is, we're all human. And we want to know that the person that I'm working with is human as well, that they're not a robot, that they're not someone who is very mechanical and operational. And so I think this idea of being vulnerable is just simply about, I want to show other people who I am. And the more that you can understand who I am, then the better relationship we're going to have. And so when you're working as a financial advisor with a client, it's not just a one-way discovery process. It's not just the advisor trying to discover something about the client. It's the client wants to understand the advisor. They want to understand that, hey, we're on the same wavelength here. We have a maybe a similar worldview. Now, I will say, you know, it can be a bit of a double-edged sword in that if you like believe A and the person you're talking to believes B, or you have worldview A and and the other person has worldview B and they're polar opposites, well, then you're not going to connect. So the downside to that is I'm not sure that we want such a polarized world that we live in today. And so on one sense, it's like, you don't want to just work with people who look and think and talk just like you do. That's not going to be good for the world either. So I don't want to get too philosophical. But, but I think ultimately the idea is that the more that we can each know about each other, I think the better we can understand each other, the better we can work together and get along with each other. And at the end of the day, I think that's going to be better for all of us.
1: You know, I think there's so much truth to what you just said, Steve. And and when you think about, you know, you think about polarization, I completely agree with you that, that we need diversity. I mean, that's how we grow as human beings and understanding and, you know, looking at other people's thoughts and approach and, and all of those great things. I think that's what makes us well-rounded human beings but I also believe in the power of attract and repel, right? So a lot of times when, when I I think when you look at really doing that deep dive on yourself and deciding, you know, who are you best set to serve? What's the saying out there that there's the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And I think that that, you know, self-discovery allows you to understand what audience you're best set to serve, you know, how you deliver value to them and how you're different. Right. And then it helps you articulate. It helps with your messaging strategy, you know, all of that good stuff. So completely agree with what you're saying there, Steve. So I I would like to ask you if you had a, you know, a a crystal ball, if you had a crystal ball, you could look forward, say five years into the future, what do you think is going to be going on in our industry that may, be a little bit different than it is today?
0: Well, one thing that I see happening is I think the way that we understand investing in how the economy works is changing. And what I mean by that is I bought my first stock back in the late 1970s. And back then it was all about individual stocks. And then you go into the 1980s. And even into the early 90s, it was still about stocks. It was about other you know, tech shelters, that sort of thing. But then by the time we got to the mid-1990s to the early 2000s, it became all about mutual fund investing and asset allocation. And asset allocation accounts for 93% of the variability of returns of a portfolio and all that good stuff. And then in the mid-2000s to today, we've got ETFs. And we've got passive investing, and that's all the rage. And everyone is using ETFs and and passive investing, low cost products, and that's the way we're going. But I think we're going to make a shift back to what is old is new again. I see this younger generation, they're all over individual stocks. They're buying Tesla, they're buying Apple, they're buying Amazon. I mean, they love owning individual stocks. It's almost like it's a status symbol to own this. And we've got the technology that enables people to do that easily. And I just look at my kids. I mean, my kids are, they're they are buying these individual stocks on Robinhood and they're having fun with it. And I'm, I'm encouraging it because I want them to learn how to invest and when you make mistakes and that sort of thing. So, so one thing I see happening is that we're going to, we're going to start seeing a shift where more advisors are going to be using individual stocks. And two other components to that. One is, it's not just going to be stocks and bonds and cash and real estate. We're going to go even more into alternative investments. And yes, I'm talking Bitcoin, for example, that as we're having our conversation today, it's getting close to new all-time records again. So I think that is part of a bigger trend. Bitcoin is part of a bigger trend, which is another big issue that advisors need to be thinking about, which is... We have lived in a Keynesian world for the past 50 to 70 years in terms of that economic framework. Well, now we've got MMT, we've got Bitcoin. And those, for example, are two very polarized ideas. MMT is all about, we can spend, spend, spend money and rack up all these these debts. And it's not an issue unless and until we have inflation. And then you've got Bitcoin, which is just the opposite, which is we need some type of currency store of value that cannot be inflated away. And so I think you're going to see this creative tension between MMT on one end and the whole concept behind what supports Bitcoin on the other end. So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And my point in saying all that is, as a financial advisor, I think it's important that you understand what is going on in this area, because how we think about the economy, how we think about the stock market, I think is changing rapidly. Technology is a huge component of it because of our ability to have things like Bitcoin, to tokenize securities, this idea of the self sovereign. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. So I think five years from now, the investing scene could look very different from where we're at today. And I think advisors need to really get schooled on that now because your clients are going to be asking about it.
1: And, you know, Steve, I think that the underlying theme I kept thinking about as you were sharing there is just paying attention, right? Paying attention to, again, what, what the future client is going to want and what the needs are of the next generation. And that's going to help you, you know, with with relevancy, with staying relevant. And I think these are things too, because, you know, a lot of the advisors we talk to, just because of the average age of the current financial advisor, they're looking at succession plans and they're looking at that next generation of advisor. And I think it's important that, you know, as you are aligning with that next gen of not only clients, but also advisors looking to people who are forward thinking, you know, I think Steve, one thing that's been kind of amazing about your career is just how you have had the ability to look forward into the future and how you have helped things grow to meet that future demand. So I would love for you to kind of spin this a little bit. A lot of the advisors that end up coming through our programs at Ultimate Advisor, whether it's our accelerator program, it's the mastermind, uh, some of the one-off coaching that we've done, the people that come through are typically those that have just broke that seven-figure production mark. And as Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach would say, that that new ceiling of complexity that comes with you know, having that revenue jump. So what, what would be something that you recommend to an advisor who just broke through that seven-figure mark and is hitting that ceiling of complexity? You know, what, what, what piece of advice could you give to that person?
0: Well, I would say a couple of things, and I think they're related. So let me go back to what I said earlier when I talked about this idea of being a zero to one or a one to infinity. So I would say, look, stand in front of a mirror and ask yourself, am I a zero to one kind of guy or am I a one to infinity type person? And what I mean by that is if you're zero to one, that means you're someone who likes to start things, who likes to build things, but you're not someone who likes to run things. And so if that's the case, if that's that ceiling of complexity that you're bumping up against, then you need to do the second piece here, which I said is connected, which is you need to make yourself obsolete. And what I mean by that is, You need to put the people in place. You need to put the systems in place so that the business can run without you and you become obsolete. So again, if you're the zero to one, it's about really making yourself obsolete and getting back to focusing on the kind of stuff that you like, which is the zero to one stuff. On the other hand, if you say, well, I'm a one to infinity kind of guy. Yeah, I got the business started, but I really love the business of the business. I love running stuff. I love you know, managing people. I love putting systems in place. Well, if that's the case, then you just need to get better at what you do. You need to be that continuous learner, that lifelong learner. And I think that's, that's a theme through what we're talking about here today. And I think what what you guys teach as well, which is just this importance of being a lifelong learner. So I think that's really how I think about it is figure out if you're zero to one or one to infinity. And then if you're zero to one, make yourself obsolete. If you're one to infinity, keep learning. Mm.
1: So you're speaking my love language there, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) We could have a whole other session on just this topic alone. You know, I think there's a couple things that came to mind. One is that if you are that, that zero to one, as you called it, and you love the build, but you don't like the actual run about how it can actually be dangerous to your business to stay in the company too long or to stay too active too long, because you should be going build. So I think that's just such an interesting concept. And I think that's brilliant advice for the advisor that has kind of reached that pivotal point of, you know, you've broke that seven figure mark and you're looking at the what's next and really identifying. I love the the analogy you gave of looking yourself in the mirror and really deciding who you are. You know, we talk a lot about being lifelong learners and, you know, myself, Brian and Dre um, all fully believe in that and, and that continued growth as an individual. And, you know, there's this saying, Steve, that you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And we fully embrace that. So I would love to, to kind of round us out here. Talk about how you have positioned yourself in the right room and how maybe other advisors could go about doing that and really finding people that help them stretch and maybe the importance of that as well.
0: Yeah. Well, you become who you surround yourself with and what you listen to. I mean we've we, we've seen that so much here in the past few years that you start believing what you read and who you listen to and what media sources you gobble up. And so I think we have to be super intentional about our inputs. And what I mean by that is who are we listening to? Who are we spending time with? What are we reading? And I think it's critically important that we listen to a wide variety of input sources. And then where we as, as humans, as individuals, as financial advisors, our skills are gonna come to the fore through discernment. And so we have to be able to take a wide variety of inputs, run it through our internal filters and figure out what makes sense. What doesn't make sense? How can I connect what I heard over here to this thing that I heard over there, or I saw over this other place, or I read in this book, how can I put all these pieces together, like the pieces of a puzzle and create this new symphony? And I think that's, what's going to be important. And for me personally, I think a couple of things that I do. One is I'm reading all the time and I'm reading a variety of input sources. And I'm also listening to a lot of different podcasts. And I know I'm kind of talking my book here, because here we are in a podcast and I host and produce podcasts. But I think podcasts are one of the most amazing things because no matter what topic you want to learn about, there's a podcast on it where there's hundreds of podcasts on it. And so I'm listening to podcasts every day. I mean, I'm probably listening to an hour or two hours a day with podcasts. And it's like, I'm just absorbing all this information. I'm trying to synthesize. I'm trying to discern how does this all make sense? So I think that's a key thing is, is diversifying your input sources, run it through your discernment filter, and then move forward and take action on it.
1: Mm, Steve, that is absolutely so brilliant. So before I ask my final question, you've dropped a ton of value here today. So uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, wants to learn more about, you know, everything that you have really talked about today and all that you offer advisors, how could they do that?
0: Yeah, well, let me share a couple things. One is, well, three things. One is you can connect with me on social media. So you can follow me on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Steve Sandusky. And that's, last name is S A N D U S K I. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Happy to connect with you there. Second thing is to visit a couple of my uh, websites. One is roladvisor.com and that's the life centered planning site that we've developed and that's where we have our digital tools and our training programs so you can join that program and become a life centered planner. And then the the third is the other website which is my coaching site, and that's stevesandusky.com. And that's where you can get information about the coaching services as well as get access to uh, my podcast, which is called Between Now and Success.
1: Awesome and amazing. And I will tell you, I have been listening to between now and success for a very long time and your podcast is amazing. So I highly encourage anybody that's listening to go download that you you are just going to get dropped with immense value. So many great practical things you can implement in your business and, and just ways to think outside the box. So Steve, my final question is, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have?
0: Well, I would just end with a couple of quotes here. And these are two quotes that have been very meaningful to me for quite a few years now. And they're quotes that I lean on when I have to make an important decision in life. And the first quote is from André Gide. And he wrote, Man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. And then the second quote is from Marcel Proust. And he wrote, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Now, what's interesting about these two quotes is they're diametrically opposed to each other. So the first quote from Gide says, hey, you got to find a new shore. You got to sail to something new. Whereas Proust is saying, yeah, you don't have to necessarily find a new landscape, but you just have to look at what you're doing right now with new eyes. And I I like the juxtaposition of that. And so when I have an important decision to make, I think about these two quotes in that, do I want to break free from what I'm doing right now? Do I need to do something brand new, the zero to one type thing? Well, then that's the Andre Gide quote. If I want to do the one to infinity, if I want to improve what I'm currently doing, but view it through a different lens, through new eyes, that's the Proust quote there. And so as I think it's important, I think we can use that in a variety of domains. And one of which is your business plan. So as you're thinking about your business, ask yourself, what's something new that I need to do? What's the new shore I need to sail toward? And then the second is, well, what am I already doing that's working, but maybe not working as well as it could. And if I put more effort into it, if I double down, if I tweak some things, I could do even better then let's do some of those. So I think we need a combination of both of those. And I think these two quotes have been really helpful to me in terms of trying to understand those two opportunities.
1: Mm. Steve, those are beautiful quotes. And thank you for ending on that note. Thank you for your time today. We know time is the most precious commodity we have. So we are forever grateful to you and can't thank you enough for joining us.
0: Well, thank you, Brittany. This has been awesome. And Appreciate you having me on and congratulations on the great show that you guys have put together.
1: Thanks, Steve. And uh, this rounds out our Ultimate Advisor podcast. We will catch you right back here next week. Hey there, Brittany Anderson here. If you are loving what you're hearing on our Ultimate Advisor podcast, don't keep us a secret share us with other advisors that you think would benefit from the messages that you are hearing. The easiest way to do that is to simply send them to ultimateadvisorpodcast.com. And if you want to learn a few other ways that we could potentially serve you as an advisor, go check out ultimateadvisormastermind.com. As always, we are so happy to have you here with us as part of the Ultimate Advisor community and we look forward to a continued relationship.